Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. College basketball, it's your time to shine. Everybody else doesn't pay attention to the sport the entire year, but March gets here, unless you're Tom Brady, and now it is time. Um, I do have to read a tweet for you here. And I got to say, I kind of, I, I want UNLV to be in the NCAA tournament because they'd actually be fun and people would care. But I also don't look forward to people being idiots. Um, primarily because, first off, I have one tweet for you. BJ Reigns, who covers Boise State, he tweeted, Randy McCall, who is a referee, Randy McCall cost the Broncos at least one seed line. Pretty crazy. Broncos are a number eight seed while Colorado State is a six. Now, I agree with the premise that Boise State should not be two seeds worse than Colorado State, but to blame a ref because he made a bad call at the end of a Colorado State-Boise State game as to why Boise State got two seeds worse than Colorado State is one of the most disingenuous arguments I've ever seen. That is not how the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee works. They do not take single games or single plays and determine what your seed is. No, a bad call did not cost no. Boise State two seeds in the NCAA tournament. Believe me, the one thing I did learn from being in that mock draft is never, as our officials mentioned, um, they will consider injuries. Um, to what point, I'm not sure, because then you push the button and you vote, and that's the vote when people go around and it's time to vote for teams. Uh, when you're scrubbing teams and you kind of put in, the first thing you do is you go in and you put in every team you think should be in the NCAA tournament. If they get a certain percentage, they're in the NCAA tournament, and the seeding hasn't even begun. Never once did any official or any call come up. And by the way, nor should it. There's bad calls every night. There's bad calls in every game. So officials should never be discussed in that room. I'm completely with you. I think they got underseeded. Unless unless you're unless we're saying Boise, you know, Carter State was also an eight, and they were all eights. Like, okay, they just thought Mountain West was this level, and they're all eights and whatever. But when you see Colorado State as a six and Boise as an eight, I think that's I think that's not great seeding. I think Boise deserved better, and I don't like I hate the word deserved, but their their resume, I guess I should say, was better than an eight. But to ever ever bring up an official <laughs> of why your seed a certain way is just it's it's disingenuous. Like you said, it doesn't. There's no way anyone ever thinks about that. And you know, I made fun of him during the tournament, but I just, look, Leon Rice wears on you. And if I'm an official, he would wear on me. He argues every freaking call. He whines about every call. And then if he, they don't hear him, he's making gestures with his arms. I mean, it's gestures. like every it's call. And again, that shouldn't matter either. That none of, the, none of this stuff matters in the room. None of this stuff matters in the room. They put resumes up. They look at resumes. Um, look, here's the thing. If you had to put the three resumes up with net and all the metrics you talk about all the time, San Diego State should be seated higher than anybody. They should, yes. If yes. you put blind resumes, okay, here's your three resumes. Don't even say what conference they're in. Who's the highest seed in this tournament from that conference? You'd say San Diego State based on Ken yes. Palm, based on net, yep. based on quad ones, all of that. So while Boise has an argument over CSU because they won the conference and they won the conference tournament, like he's, I agree with you, I don't think conference tournament means much, but they won the regular season conference. Pump the brakes on why this happened. I don't Randy know McCall. why it happened. It was, I, it was one call, one bad yeah. referee's call changed the entire NCAA yeah. tournament. I mean, I don't know why it happened. I wasn't in the room, but 
you start looking at resumes, and all of a sudden, Boise's not completely far ahead of everybody in that conference, and they're not even ahead of one team. And look, I'm not even saying I'm not saying San Diego State should be seated ahead of Boise. Boise won the conference. I get that, and I think that should mean a lot when you win an 18 game conference. But the fact that you're now going to the point of it's a referee's fault, I mean, <laughs> come on. Okay, hold on. We're going to take a two-second break from college basketball. We're going to get back to it in just a second. Kevin Acey, San Diego Union-Tribune, just tweeted, Fernando Tatis has a fractured wrist, surgery probable, could miss a few months. That's too bad. Good God. That is too bad, though. I hate that. I hate that stuff. It is? Because I, I love watching him I play. I love watching and him play. We're we're when did he fracture this point? guy's wrist? He was playing blues. He played right? B, having BP at spring training. When did he fracture his wrist? They literally just got to spring training. Like it's been two days. So. I saw him hitting BP yesterday. The Padres uh, tweeted out, "Here we are in March, or here we are in spring training," and I'm always I'm convinced it was him. And he was hitting BP because his swing, he was like hitting bombs. Yeah, but is it? I mean, did it happen then? When did this guy fracture his wrist? I guess it I must have happened in the last 24 hours. Yeah, so that's too bad. That's that stinks. Yeah, and we're getting to a point where that we're going to have back-to-back seasons for Fernando Tatis where he is missing time because of injury. And and that's God. a bad injury because that could be something that bothers him all year. Right, yeah. I mean, um, last year, Alex Bregman for the Astros, he apparently had a wrist injury that just never healed yeah, never the heals. entirety of last season. Right. And he was awful in the World Series. And they're like, well, his wrist was hurt. And I was like, well, get it fixed, I yeah. guess, and figure it out from there. So. There's our quick break because Fernando Tatis, some breaking news there. The other reason that I, I don't look forward to UNLV being in the NCAA tournament is because, Ed, did you see people complaining, UNLV fans, um, and we'll throw John Sandler in there as well, about Utah State getting in the NIT over UNLV? I did see that. I did see that. But so, again, tell me if I'm wrong, they had better metrics. And it's not even close. Like, no. at least they Colorado beat people State, in the non conference. Right. Colorado State, Boise State, San Diego State are all pretty close, right? Like, if you went through any of the metrics the committee looks at, Colorado State should have probably been the worst of the three, but it's not a massive margin. They're all somewhere in sort of the mid-20s to mid-30s for pretty much everything. Utah State is like 20 to 30 spots ahead of UNLV Mm -hmm. in Ken Palm, in Net, whatever the metrics they look at. But here's what I don't look forward to. If UNLV were to actually be an NCAA tournament level team or be talking about their seeding or be talking about them not getting in or something like that. It has been so long since UNLV has been in the NCAA tournament that I don't think people know what the selection committee actually pays attention to Mm -hmm. when it comes to seeding and selecting teams. Now, to be fair, I don't know that the selection committee knows what they pay attention to sometimes either. No, but one uh, one thing I can tell you right now that does not matter and will never matter is where you finish in the regular season of your no. conference, right? Like John Sandler's specific complaint yesterday was that Utah State was the seventh seed in the Mountain West tournament and that the fifth seed UNLV did not get in. That is irrelevant. They do not care what seeds you have in your conference tournament does not matter. It is your full resume. The other thing that doesn't matter, because I saw a lot of UNLV fans question, well, it must have been the head-to-head matchup where UNLV got blown out by Utah State. Head-to-head matchup, it does not matter either. Like, that is not a very important factor when it comes to putting teams into the NCAA tournament, or in this case, the NIT, or even just seeding them. Like, what you did head-to-head, it is your full resume. It is game one of the season until the end of the season. That is what 
they look at. And when you look at the full resume of UNLV and Utah State, not close. Utah State is better. Yes. Utah State is a that's much better resume. Now, here's the other part of this that's key with Utah State. Their record's not good. They went 18 and 15 this year. That's not a great record. However, I told you this last week. Remember the whole luck thing that Ken Palm has? Mm -hmm. That basically is do you win or lose a lot of close games? Utah State finished as the worst team in Ken Palm luck this year, which basically means Utah State lost a lot of close games. So UNLV got blown out this year by San Diego State. UNLV got blown out by Utah State. UNLV got blown out by pretty much all the good teams they played in the non-conference, with the exception of Wichita State. But UNLV has a lot of blowout losses to good teams. Whereas Utah State, they lost to Colorado State in the conference tournament by two. They lost to Boise State by three. Like they have a lot, a ton of one possession losses this year. And when it comes to metrics like Ken Palm and Net and everything, those don't hurt you as bad as losing by 15 or 20 points. And then you throw on top of it, they actually beat some teams in the non conference. Like they beat oh, three top yeah. 100 teams. I think right? they, they beat. beat I think they beat two or three teams that are in the NCAA tournament. Right. They beat, Richmond, and, they beat Richmond, Oklahoma, and New Mexico State in okay, the non Okay, so two of the three are in the NCAA tournament. Well, Oklahoma was second team out. So right. Almost. But New Mexico but, State and Richmond are in. Oh, you're right. I forgot New Mexico State was in. You're correct. And all three of those are, are top 100 teams, right? UNLV. They, but here, here's the way to look at it. Both UNLV and Utah State played five top 100 teams in the non-conference. UNLV went 0-5. Utah State went 3-2. and Mm -hmm. Right. That's and and the other part of that is Utah State's losses. They lost to St. Mary's by two points, and they lost to BYU by ten. Whereas UNLV lost, except for the Wichita State game, they lost all those games by like thirteen or more. So that is where the big difference is, and that's why a team that finished with a worse seed than UNLV in the same conference can get in. So. Well, maybe if, maybe I do look forward to it because I think I just did a really good job at complaining about well, it. So maybe I do look forward to people being idiots and me explaining why UNLV got a seed that's worse than some other team. If you think seeds matter in terms of who you play and when, how times, how many times you beat them, San Diego State and Boise State are both eights. Boise State beat San Diego State three times. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, they're just oh. putting the resumes up and saying, "Look, let's look at the resumes. Let's look at the quad one wins and all the metrics, and then we're going to seed it." You know what my favorite stat was? Um, that Boise State and San Diego State played three times this year, and nobody broke 60 points in any of the games. <laughs> it's a great stat. <laughs> they had a 42-37 final, a 58-57 final, and a 53-52 final. Well, they, uh, they went to the, um, when it was 25-24, whatever it was at halftime, they went to the uh, halftime crew. And I don't know who it was. It might have been Seth Davis or someone said, look, I'm guaranteeing one thing. Someone's scoring 50. <laughs> like, that, that, that was like the big guarantee of the, uh, the conference championship in the tournament game. Yeah, I, yesterday it wasn't even close. So when you looked at the metrics and people are complaining, it's like just you have to know what they consider. And if you do five minutes of research, it wasn't even close between Utah State and UNLV. Now, I will say when Wyoming got in, I thought it helped UNLV, but it, I didn't think it helped UNLV because I didn't think a Utah State or even a Fresno State wouldn't get in, if you know what I mean. Like, I, I thought, oh, okay, Wyoming got in. Does that mean two Mountain West teams get in? Um, and, again, there were a lot of there were a lot of conf or conference uh, champions that weren't going to be great seeds that lost in, in Long Beach states of the world were going to get in the NIT because you're guaranteed if you win your league and joke at the NCAA tournament, you get in the NIT. So that takes up a lot of spots when, you know, the lower conference teams lose. But I did think that for a second. I, and, and it kind of went away after that. I'm like, ah, eh, probably not. But do they have a chance? 
I don't know Fresno State's metrics. You probably do. I thought it was going to be Fresno State um, and not Utah State, but I'll look at the metrics later. But I, I didn't think Utah, I didn't think UNLV was in before either of those two. Uh, no, Fresno State is between Utah State and UNLV. Um, Utah State's in the top 50 of pretty much everything. Uh, Fresno State's, uh, like, for example, they're 69 in Ken Palm, and then UNLV's 86. Okay. So, so again, Fresno State ahead of UNLV, yeah. but not, not actually not even that close to Utah State. Like, Utah State's resume was... So if there was a second team, it should have been Fresno State. Most likely would have been Fresno State. And I believe they're going to the CBI or the CIT, one of those two. Oh, I believe Fresno State's actually... I think Fresno State's actually going to play in one um, and host a game. All right, well, so, I wouldn't play in it, but... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's I, Fres- maybe if you it's do it for Fresno, Fresno State. If yeah, you do, it's Fresno State. It's fine. I guess I should Which, preface it if I'm UNLV, I wouldn't know. I'll give you I'll give you another stat for you. UNLV, now nine years since they've been in the NCAA tournament or the NIT, the only programs with a worse drought are San Jose State and Air Force in the Mountain West. Wow. It's not good. New Mexico's one year better. They are on an eight-year drought since going. But, uh, yeah, those are your bottom teams in terms of NCAA tournament droughts. Everybody else has been at least once in the last eight years to the NCAA tournament except UNLV, and UNLV hasn't even been to the NIT yet. So there you go. There is your NCAA tournament and me yelling about people not knowing what they actually pay attention to, which, again, I'll give you guys all a break because sometimes a selection committee also doesn't know what they're talking about and puts Duke ahead of Tennessee, even though Tennessee's literally better at everything than Duke was this season. All right, coming up next... It's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's Briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's Briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just then. Man, I was muted. I was talking that whole time, too. All right, here you go. Before we get into briefs, Ed, I've got an update for you. Not a good one. Well, I guess it's good. This is from Anthony DiComo, of, uh, who covers the Mets. He said, Pete Alonso says he got in a brutal car accident yesterday. His car flipped over three oh, times. no. He says he feels fortunate to be alive. He is well now and will be back on the field tomorrow. So, My not, God. not missing any time. But car flipped three times is sounds And he fake. walked away from it? He's going to be on the field? Right, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds fake to say that out loud, that the car flipped three times and that he's perfectly fine and it's going to be at spring training Jeez. tomorrow. Like, all right. So Pete Alonso uh, could have been a lot worse, apparently. Um, NFL free agency has started. I've not seen any uh, massive, important deals. There have been some running backs, like Chase Edmonds is leaving Arizona. He's signing with the Dolphins, and the Cardinals gave a three-year deal to James Conner. But Josina Anderson did report that there are multiple teams showing interest in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Packers wide receiver, and that includes the Las Vegas Raiders. So in the market for a wide receiver. But today's briefs, we're going to take a look at free agency because Field Yates tweeted this out over the weekend. 
Free agency has perils, but in recent years, it has yielded immediate return. In each of the past six years, the top spender has increased its win total by at least three games. And if you go through there, the Patriots won three more games after spending the most in free agency. The Dolphins won five more. The Jets won three more. The Bears in 2018 won seven more. The Jags won seven more. And all the way back in 2016, the Giants won five more. So the last six years, if you spend the most in free agency, you see a pretty significant win improvement, which if we're now looking at the Raiders, should they be spending big in free agency? One problem, the Raiders went 10-7 and seven last year, so it's hard to see them making a three-win improvement because a 13-win team is a really good team. Uh, and I think a key to this stat is most of those teams were bad before they spent a lot in free agency, right? None of those teams had a winning record the year prior. The Patriots were 7-9. and nine. That's as good as it got before they had a three-win jump. But I would say... Even if the Raiders found a way to have a two-win jump to go from 10-7 and seven to 12-5, and five, that'd guarantee a playoff spot. Probably not AFC West champs, but maybe you're in the conversation if you get 12 wins. Um, would be a team that would actually sit, go into a playoff game with a chance to win. So, if there is a way for this team to spend big in free agency and improve their win total, they should probably do it. Because if you can be a 12-win team, you should, you're pretty good. So, if you look at this team, free agency, and holes for this roster offensively wide receiver offensive line those are the two biggest spots the raiders need uh players need starters they should be fine at running back should be fine at tight end and quarterback they can choose to be fine if they want but wide receiver and you know right tackle they might need some interior help as well but if you look at the offensive free agents right going by pro football focus who kind of ranks the best free agents and gives projected contracts it's a guy named Dwayne Brown. You could put him at right tackle. He's the third best tackle uh, on the market, according to Pro Football Focus. Because he's a little bit older, they only project him to sign a one-year deal worth $10 million. Isn't that much? Last three years, his Pro Football Focus rank was 22nd, 5th, and 37th. Pretty good tackle you would be getting on a cheap deal, given that he's a little bit older. So you could sign a right tackle like that. And then at wide receiver, we'll just use Jared's favorite, DJ Chark. Uh, Pro Football Focus says he's going to get two years, $15 million per year. Chark is not like a awesome number one wide receiver, but when you already have Waller and Renfro, Chark's a good option. So you'd have Chark, Waller, and Renfro as your top three pass catchers. Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake at running back. The offensive line at this point would have two solid tackles. Interior still needs some help, but the offense looks pretty good. And if you flip over the defensive side, I think they need help in the secondary. I think that's one of the biggest areas here. If they were to go big and sign J.C. Jackson, the cornerback from New England, right? right. Uh, Pro Football Focus projects four years, $18 million, right? Big contract. For him, that would give you J.C. Jackson, Trayvon Mullen, Nate Hobbs as your primary corners. Sounds pretty good. I don't think anybody's saying that's your best cornerback group in the league, but it's an above-average cornerback group and potentially have a top corner, number one type corner in J.C. Jackson. I think they need a safety as well, primarily. Josh Jake or Jonathan Abram should not be starting for this team. If they can get a guy that can also play deep next to Trayvon Merrick, that would be big. Marcus May is a guy I picked out, fourth best safety according to Pro Football Focus. He had an Achilles injury last year, so he's coming off an injury. And because of that, PFF only put him at one year, six million. Very cheap short term. But his two previous seasons before this last year when he got hurt, he was 17th and 5th in Pro Football Focus safety rating. So, you might be able to find a guy, if he's back to what he was pre-injury, that's really good for really cheap. You could make two signings. That solves the secondary. 
I probably wouldn't spend anything or anything significant on linebackers, maybe some cheap ones, but that's a position I don't think you should be overly worried about spending on. On the edge, Raiders should be good. We'll see what type of front they play this year, but between Crosby and Gakwe and Cleef Earl and Carl Nassib, it's a pretty solid edge group. And that brings you to the defensive line. I think they need something interior. Obviously, they need bodies because everybody's a free agent there. But if they're going to spend some money, Pro Football Focus only has one defensive tackle making $10 million this offseason as a free agent. So you could sign a guy like Calais Campbell, Akeem Nix, some older guys that have been productive for like $8 million. That's where Pro Football Focus has them pegged. And if you were to do all that, that really leaves you with maybe you need some linebackers and maybe you need some interior offensive line that need to be fixed. But for the most part... Your roster's looking pretty good. Major problem, though. I just spent $57 million in free agency on five players. The Raiders have somewhere in the neighborhood of $30 million in cap space. And they have to sign their draft pick, which will eat a few more million dollars as well. So the Raiders can't really just take the current roster and spend big in free agency like some of those other teams have. They could get a handful of cheaper players, or maybe they could go after some big names at a couple of positions. But for the most part, they're not going to be able to fix things for, through free agency, which makes the draft key for the Raiders. If they are going for it this year, there's pretty much, I think they need five players. They need five significant upgrades for this team to actually be going for it and have a chance as be like a legit playoff team, not a sneak into the playoffs and lose in the first round, but a legit playoff team. They probably need five players. And in reality, they're going to need to like sign three good free agents and probably draft two starters next year. The problem with that plan is that it requires the Raiders to hit on the three biggest free agent signings. They can't have another Corey Littleton. They can't have uh, you know, another Trent Brown. They've got to hit on guys that are healthy, productive, and good right away. It also means they've got to hit on draft picks, primarily their first two picks. Right? You can't have a Cleveland Furl again. You can't have a Damon Arnett again. You've got to have an immediate impact player. That's possible. They could hit on three free agents. They could hit on two draft picks. But it's unlikely to hit on everything, right? Imagine if they were to draft a wide receiver and a right tackle in the first two rounds and say, these guys are starting. What are the odds that both of those guys are above average NFL starters as rookies? Probably pretty low, right? Same goes for the free agent signings, honestly, right? If they add a couple defensive backs and defensive tackles or something, are they all going to work out well? Probably not. And the other problem for the Raiders is even if they do all that, they're still not going to be favored to win their division. Even if they hit on all of those, they're still probably going to be picked third or fourth in this division, and it's going to be a tough climb to actually win the AFC West. But a perfect offseason for the Raiders, maybe, maybe they could actually compete in the AFC West. Would you, by the way, would you spend a lot more to get J.C. Jackson over Casey Hayward coming back? Um, Probably. Because Casey I, Hayward supposedly is interested in coming back. I'm just what I read. Probably. I think I would. J.C. Jackson was really good in man coverage. Casey Hayward, from everything that I've read, has been, eh, he's really helped out by the cover three. He's good in the cover three. Hasn't really proven that he's good at anything else. Uh, J.C. Jackson, yeah, I, I think he's really good, and I, I think that's the guy I would be willing to spend eh, quite a bit of money okay. on if, uh, if necessary there. So, spending big in free agency, not always a bad thing, but I don't know if the Raiders are really in a great position to spend big in free agency and be a legit contender coming up next vic tafer joins the show joining us now from the athletic is vic tafer good morning vic why haven't the raiders signed anybody in the first 30 minutes of free agency being open 
It's a great question. I think you guys may be my jinx. Maybe I'm going to phone with you guys and they make a move. So <laughs> Hold on. A wide receiver uh, just went. <laughs> um, do you expect anything today? Anything important today or big? I think, you know, I mean, it all depends on the opposite of the prices. But they need an O-lineman. They need a receiver. I think, um, uh, you know, cornerback at some point. So I think we'll see what the big guys get. Like, you know, I think um, – I think J.C. Jackson probably goes to the Chargers in my field. Allen Robinson might guess to the Lions. But I think there's other guys after that, other guys you can fit in for less money that they may be looking at. How much, and we, we know what the uh, cap number is they have, Vic, but, I mean, how many big, big names can they actually go to that number, and is it going to be more kind of journeymen who they can get numbers but pay less? Yeah, I think you're probably going to find some guys you want to plug in. I mean, you, you probably need a starter at right tackle, so I'm not sure. I mean, what what the looking for there? But I think the I don't know if it'll be huge names. I mean, fans always want the big names, but my guess is more maybe second tier guys the next couple of days. You mentioned J.C. Jackson and potentially owning the Chargers. Obviously, he's been linked to the Raiders as well. Do you think they'd at all be concerned about? Hey, maybe we should go get J.C. Jackson, not just because we think he's good, but keep him away from a divisional rival. Yeah, I'm not sure they're there. Yeah, I think it's more about looking at the roster. Because, I mean, you look at uh, they got new, new coordinator, Patrick Graham of defense. they got to fill out a hole. All those guys last year were just bad. These guys won't, won't be coming back. So, you probably have, like, I want to say five starters right now in defense. So, I think you got a lot of work to do there. So, maybe the approach is maybe not one big name, but maybe, like, three or four you know, smaller names at, at more reasonable prices. You can kind of fill some needs. Maybe Happy's for his friend and can get a free dinner off him, but is Derek Carr now in a closet, huddled in a closet, wondering, what about me? No, I don't think he's there yet. I mean, I think he's probably happy for Max Crosby. I mean, Max is definitely you know, a team leader and done everything right the last few years and definitely you know, a big-time player. So I don't think Derek is regretting him the deal he got, but at some point it's human nature. You know, what about me? I think um, I'm not sure he gets done anytime soon, but um, I think um, I think he's all right for him. I think he's uh, having some patience and – Again, they're probably enjoying the free agency like everybody else is trying to wait and see what they get to you know, help them out this year. Is it worth reading into that we've heard Dave Ziegler say multiple times they need to get to know Carr, but Max Crosby said they jumped right in, didn't want to play any games, and showed their commitment right away with him? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it's different. I mean, uh, you know, Max was a, was a late-round pick who was uh, last year's deal, so that was more, um, I'll say, welcome room. But, you know, Carr has one year left on his deal, paid $20 million, so. It wasn't the uh, almost the rush of urgency. I think obviously Max is younger, and Max is uh, clearly a guy who you can build around. Where Derek is maybe more on the, I don't know, French, but he's definitely not in the same class as far as the youth and, and a, a surefire guy you can build around. Would you be surprised at this point? Um, you know, Cousins goes for thirty-five. These quarterbacks are getting money. Would you really be surprised if their first suggestion, if it hasn't already been made to him, is play this last year and then we'll see? Yeah, I would not be totally surprised. That sucks for for Derek, but I definitely. I mean, you, it's funny because in the past, always from the storyline, he's too nice of a guy, and there's been a problem. But now they're going to want him to be nice and take you, <laughs> and then take the last year of his deal and be a nice guy and be a team guy. But I, we're not there yet. I think um, I'm probably more leaning towards like you know a short term extension, like one or two years, like Cousins did. That way, you don't, you're not you know locking up the whole. Uh, rest. I mean, I think these guys, Ziggler and McDaniel's, want to kind of see what's going on, and like you said, to know. Caught a little bit and kind of not quite there as far as getting a long term deal. So I think um, my guess would be more of a short term deal. But yeah, definitely that's definitely an option, which is, it sucks for, for Derek, but I think that's still on the table as far as having him play his last year with deal out. 
what would be i guess the logic on car's side to take a one or two year extension as opposed to hey give me a long-term extension or i'll hit free agency after this year well i guess because he wants to you know, he said he wants to win here he said sometimes he wants to be a raider i think that's probably true i think that plays he's paid his dues so i think and plus he would take a one or two year deal it's going to be for a lot more than it would be a per average on a longer deal. So, like, the Cousins guy wants to get $35 million, I think. So, I mean, that'd be a big jump from 20 So, I think that'd be the one reason to do it. Plus, you can always interfere in a couple of years and see where things at. Kind of, you know, the team's learning you, but he's also learning about McDaniels and Ziggler at the same time. So, maybe it's the way they can kind of meet in the middle somewhere. But uh, that'd be the main reasons why. You know, more money up front and uh, kind of just a wait and, wait and see what happens kind of approach. Knowing everything about him as you do, if they – quote-unquote, force the one year, what would be his response in terms of if he'd show up? As far as we we hold out, man, I, mean, that's, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I would if I were him, but I'm not sure. He's not, he's not the same as I am. I think he definitely uh, has a different look at things as far as his approach, and you know, he's, he's probably more grounded than I am. But, yeah, I think if he really wants to, you know, um, to see what happens here in Las Vegas and, you know, if he can win and what the future is, maybe he has to do it. But, um I wouldn't. I wouldn't. If I were him, I wouldn't be happy with it in terms of having to play in a, on my last year or a contract. What do you think is more likely? The Raiders sign an outside wide receiver to sort of be the de facto number one, or they draft one in the first round? I think it depends on again. I hate to answer him way all these questions, but I think it depends on the price. Like, it's, you know, how much DJ Chark going to cost? I mean, I think he's probably the, the second guy. I think Robinson's going to be gone, so I think it's Chark or. Those other guy, uh, the guy from Green Bay, uh, you know, Vanda Scanling, I think he might even be more than he's probably worth. So those are really the ex receivers that are out there. So I think if you don't find the right price, then, yeah, it's, it's a decent receiving class in the draft. So there's no reason uh, to overspend and not wait for the draft if, if I were them. Who would you give, if any of them, Jacobs, Furrow, and Abram, a fifth-year option at this point? Well, Jacobs is actually less. I thought Jacobs was going to be like, I think the first projections were like close to $10 million a year, but now that the numbers have come out, Closer to eight, I'm fine with eight. I think obviously his durability issues with him, and uh, Daniel's mentioned some you know some fumbling issues, some ball control issues, but he's shown flashes. He definitely came on strong in the last year. I think he definitely is what you want in terms of being the prototype of running back for the system. So I, I think he probably gets his extension. I can't imagine that um, that uh, Farrell and Abram get their option picked up. I just think it's uh, it's too much money for the production they've, they've shown this far. Do you think at all the other teams in the division, adding a Russell Wilson, adding a Khalil Mack, do you think that at all factors into how the Raiders approach this offseason? I don't think so. I think um, I mean, they, they knew they were a tough division anyway, and they knew they had holes to fill. So I think those things don't really change too much. I mean, obviously, probably the Broncos now moved ahead of you a little bit, I would imagine, in terms of the, the, kind of the division rankings. But I think the, the mission was clear when it came in. There was yeah, – they're trying to build off last year, but and that's just – it's also – they got to – you don't need to rebuild. You got to kind of, you know, patch up the defense. You got to fix the offensive line. So definitely, there's huge things you have to address, regardless of what happens in the, in the rest of the division. Anything the coordinators say surprised you specifically on defense on what kind of scheme he's going to play? No, I thought those coordinators they talked about Friday. I mean, God bless them, but I thought they were kind of boring. I was hoping for more. <laughs> and I get it. They didn't want to talk about the current players. They didn't want, they want to keep things as standoffish as possible. But there really was no information in, in those rooms. I think we knew that. Graham was going to be like a, a DB heavy guy, like five DBs will play at once. They need some good defensive backs, which look at their roster. They don't have anything close to five good DBs right now. So that definitely will be a huge area to address. But 
Nothing would surprise me. They're going to be multiple. They're going to like you know, play a little three four, a little four three, maybe even a little six two. So I think the DBs will be a huge focus uh, this offseason. Are you going to be surprised if they ever say anything interesting? Well, you never know. I mean, something. I mean, uh, back, you know, yeah, that's, that's the job of the reporter, right? To kind of give them say something good. But uh, <laughs> we all failed in our mission in those rooms the last week. We got nothing out of those guys last. So it's on us. It's on the reporters. It's never on the on the coaches. Going back real quick, I want to ask you because I forgot to ask you in the car situation. What about Marcus Mariota? He tweeted, um, "Wherever I go, you know, I, I have the experience. I expect, you know, uh, you know, to do something for that organization." Is is Marcus Mariota? If if you're afraid what Carr might do, is he someone that you you re-up or do you think it's a long shot and he'll probably try to go start or play somewhere? Yeah, I think he wants to play somewhere. I think he's uh, he's done his two years here. I think he enjoyed it here, but I think he wanted to leave last year. They kind of held him hostage last year. So I think you look at the quarterback situation around the league. Even after all the smoke clears, there's going to be three or four teams that still need quarterbacks. I think we'll have a shot to be somewhere where, if not start, at least compete for a starting job. I think he's uh, obviously very athletic, very mobile, which is kind of the current trend now. That helps him a lot, a lot in terms of what teams are looking for. So I think uh, I think he's in a good spot. I think he'll wait uh, maybe a week or so. I think he'll find one up in a good place where they'll want him and he'll have a chance to play. If their plan is to have Carr play the final year of this contract and then figure out if they want to extend him or not. Should they bring in a backup quarterback like a, it could be Mariota, but be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick so that they have an option in case Carr holds out? Yeah, I think you got to bring him. If you lose Marcus, you got to bring somebody in. I think that you know, Derek has shown he doesn't miss any games, and he's definitely an Ironman, which is kind of one of the problems I had when they paid Mariota so much money a couple of years ago was because obviously they want to push him, but once Carr you know, shows he's not going to be pushed by Marcus Mariota, they spent a lot of money on a guy who played. I don't know how many snaps he played in two years, but it wasn't a lot. So I think you need a guy you can trust. You know, in case you know, an emergency happens. But uh, I was a Cars Iron Man, so I don't think you need to spend too much money on a back and quarterback. Well, he is Vic Tafer from the Athletic. Um, we'll, we'll let you go. Hopefully, the Raiders didn't sign anybody in the last ten minutes. Thank you, Vic. Thanks, Vic. All right, guys. Take care. Take care. So there is Vic Tafer. Boring coordinators. The... I love it. Oh love yes, it. call him out. Call him out. He he kind of walked back a little bit, saying, "Nah, it's the reporter's fault. We got to get what, good stuff out of him." What does this mean, by the way? On the breaking news, Tatis Jr., who we has said earlier had the fractured wrist, says a couple of minor incidents in the offseason is what likely led to it. Said it could have been anything. <laughs> what? <laughs> a couple minor incidents. What in the world what does that like, mean? Did he like fall down the stairs or something? I don't know. Like, Someone on Twitter said ATV. I feel like that wouldn't be minor, right? I also feel like that would probably be in the contract. Like you can't drive ATVs yeah. in the in the off season. Wait, hold on. I have a question. Is that valid if it's if there's a lockout? In terms of oh, like if you oh, if you have a contract, a great, that's a great a contract question. that says you, hey, you yeah. can't you can't drive a motorcycle or play pickup basketball right? or all the things they always put in those contracts. Is that that's wow. invalid during a lockout, isn't it? That's a great question. Yeah, because they don't really exist during the lockout. Yeah, I mean they can't even be on the website. Never mind follow their contracts. <laughs> Gee, but I, I will say, pending on what happened to Tatis here, one of the what's probably going to be a big factor, especially earlier in the year, is because of the lockout, guys that were injured, guys that would have normally been rehabbing, they haven't been able to do any of that with the team. Not with They've the team. They've had to find ways yeah. to do that like on their own. And so there's probably there's probably going to be guys that were injured that probably could have been ready to go to start the year that aren't or even in the Tati scenario, 
did he fracture his wrist in January and just didn't do anything about it until he showed up for spring? Like, that's certainly possible, I guess, that that could have happened to Tatis where he's had a wrist injury for like a month or something, but maybe it didn't hurt bad enough for him to do anything about it. And then he shows up and they're like, hey, we just did an x-ray and your wrist is broken. He's, uh, He's holding press conferences at spring training saying a minor incident. Oh, he's the one that said that. Yeah, he's. There's a picture of him holding a press conference. He says he says a couple minor incidents in the off season led to the fracture. He said it could have been anything. What sleeping on it? I mean, what what does this mean? He's trying to open a Gatorade, and you know sometimes it gets stuck, and you really can't get it, and it's just just threw his wrist out. Just wasn't good at all. All right. Coming up next, we'll end the show. Maybe we'll get some more bird updates. Oh, there's a huge update, by the way. Oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be a great way to end the show. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right. Wrapping up the show and very excited to get what's probably the most important part of the show. An update on the birds, river, and sky. All right, two quick updates. Fernando Tatis in Dominican Republic during the lockout was involved in a motorcycle accident, so that might have been one of the incidents. And again, like you said, who knows in the contract if it matters. But a more important update. I got home the other day. She looks at me. I changed the names. (laughs) (laughs) She's already changed the birds' names. It was river and sky. Now it's Milo and Maisie. You know why? Why? Because she loves Milo's down in uh, down in uh, Boulder City with the wine, the the vino. <laughs> so she had to get a Milo in there, and you have to you have to you know an M M&M, and M. You got to go. You got to go Milo and Maisie. <laughs> so there you go. There's your update. How about that? Now I go home. I don't know River Milo. Who are you? I don't know. I don't know what to call this bird. <laughs> These birds have an identity crisis. Yes, exactly. The bird. I go River. He starts tweeting. I go Milo. He starts barking. I don't know what oh, the hell's happening at that house. Man. I like River and Sky better. I do too. I knew why Milo was coming because of the wine, but and now she moves the cage over to see out the window, so they believe that they're outside with other birds. I don't think that's how that works. Are birds <laughs> I dumb? Well, I thought they were smart. I thought they are now mimicking the sounds we make to them. I told you the sound the other day. Now the bird, the Milo's saying it back to me. <laughs> this is what I do with my life. I make sounds at birds, and birds mimic me. This is my life now. Are they going to, I know they're not uh, parrots, but are they going to learn how to like cuss out Cody Bellinger? Oh, that'd be, when I start throwing that thing, no, they better duck because that cage <laughs> is in my way with the, uh, by the TV. That so cage is in th- my way. Th- I won't be, I won't take time to move the cage, but I'm throwing that remote right at it. Wait, the TV's like in the living room by the TV? You mean the cage? Yeah, the cage is in the living room. Well, you, th- want, you think I want that in my bedroom with them talking? Oh man! No, it's right by the it's right by the uh, big screen. Sure. How do yeah. you watch TV with those two? Oh, I try. I tried to be on the uh, conference call last night with the NCAA guy. That birds in the background. He probably thought I was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> right, like who, who's asking me questions with those birds in the background? You're gonna be transcribing bird chirps for the rest of your life. <laughs>